From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy showing from Monday. What is this? This is the 12th or the 13th? This is the 13th day of August 2018, the day after the PGA Championship. Won by Brooks Kepka, who's now won two out of the last three majors in what was a thrilling Sunday. We welcome in, as, as always, Sean Davison, who you will hear on ESPN Plus and ESPN3. Uh, this year doing ACC telecasts of uh, various Florida State uh, sports. Also, what, ACC Network Plus or whatever that uh, some of those games fall under the auspices of? Is that correct? Yeah, it, it's on ACC Network Extra, and uh, hopefully as I continue to do more and more of those ACC Network Extra games, when they launch the ACC Network of August the next year, maybe you'll see me doing some of that as well. So. Yeah. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun season in Tallahassee. Football season can't be much worse than it was this past year. So, uh, optimistic for sure. Anyway, the reason why I gave that long Florida State intro, which I normally do not with Sean, is that um, uh, he has been... Uh, what was your text to me yesterday? Since 2013, you've been harping on Brooks? Uh, 2014? Yeah, you've, had, you've had me on the show, and I think you've given me the floor a couple of times to talk about whatever I want to talk about. And I think I've said it at least two times on your show alone. Yeah. Look out for this guy. And uh, lo and behold, he's now taken over. He has won two out, of, two out of the last three majors, three out of the last seven, three out of the last six that he was healthy for and participated in. The dude is ripped. Um, he drives it a mile. Tiger even said when Brooks is on like that, he's just as tough to beat. And I know a lot of, of golf podcasts about this PGA are, are, are going to talk Tiger, but I want to talk Brooks because, A, you've got that experience, and, B, you know, he's, he's, he's one of your favorites, and, and, and you've been focused on him forever. Let's, let's go backwards for a second. When he was at Florida State and you first started tracking him, did you think he had the, the, the uh, potential to be this good? Yes, he could have been PGA Tour good. Yes, he could have been potentially major championship worthy good. But he's not a Hall of Famer. Three majors is a Hall of Fame um, level career. Did you ever see that coming? You know, my overlap with Brooks at FSU was all of about a year. I got there in 2011. Uh, 2000, spring 2012 was when I wrapped up my freshman year. That's also the year that summer is when he played at the U.S. Open in 2012 and then turned pro right after that. So my overlap with Brooks was about a year. And I saw him a couple of times when I would go out to the golf course. We have a golf course that's on our engineering campus, which isn't exactly on the main campus of Florida State. But close enough. By the way, being redesigned by Jack and Jackie Nicholas, and he is—he uh, would be on the end of the range and he'd be working on a few things, and I could look over and see him, and the swing just looks so good. And I'm a big believer in watching how guys strike the ball. I mean, sure, you can get caught up in the oohs and the ahs of the driver, but for me, the way I judge whether or not a guy is going to have some sort of longevity is whether or not he can strike the ball well and strike it well consistently. And with the exception of maybe a Henrik Stenson and a Tiger Woods, there is not a single other player that I've seen that compresses the ball and just murders golf balls, for lack of better terms. <laughs> An iron with a wedge, with a driver, with whatever. 
than Brooks Kepka. And I knew at that time that he was going to have a long, special-ish career. It's just at that time, you know, that was the last year or so of tour school when you could get your card immediately. So if you didn't get to the Q school, you had to either go to Europe or you had to go to the web.com. And, and he chose to go to Europe. And didn't hear from him for a year or so. I tried to keep tabs on him, started winning those Euro Challenge Tour events. And when he started playing well on the European Tour, and that's when I realized, okay, this guy did it the hard way, the hardest of the hard ways, and he's making it work. And now he's starting to get into fields at the PGA and the Open Championship, and he is just muscling his way into sponsor executives. And that's when I started to realize, if this guy plays over here consistently enough, he could make some noise. Did I think it'd be three major championships worth of noise? The way that golf has been lately, where a guy will win a major here and then miss the cut in the next two, and with the exception of Jordan Spieth lately, you don't really see guys winning handfuls of majors. I can't say that I did. I really honestly can't say that I did see three majors at the last seven, but I can look back on it now and say I'm not shocked. No. And uh, he's, he has given you um, uh, he, he has given you enough um, e- enough uh, um, evidence to to uh, certainly say that but it is interesting how, how crucial contact is you know there have been people who have said Tiger makes a sound unlike anybody else but that Stenson three would especially um, Excuse me, um, which is what I think you're getting at. People have said that about Henry, um, Henrik Stenson's, you know, steroided three-witter or however you want to call it. It's just got that zip on it that, that it, it, it doesn't have, unlike anyone else. For me, the crucial moment yesterday was six. He had bogeyed four and five. He got scrappy. He wasn't driving it well. It's just an atrocious first putt. And he drains that second putt. And he was a different player. He went on and breathed seven, eight, nine, and off he went. You know, Tiger has always talked about key par putts that can mean more than birdie putts. That par putt at me was the moment in the round. Yes, it was. And then for me, too, the other big part of the other big moment in the round for me, whenever I saw Brooks um, start to really separate himself, was after Adam Scott caught him, and he made that birdie putt on the back nine. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean... You can tell if you watch this game enough, when you start to see those short, jabby putting strokes, that that's the guy starting to feel it a little bit, starting to feel the pressure a bit. And there were a couple of those. I mean, he wasn't hitting the ball poorly at all. I mean, it were, they were birdie putts he was missing from 8 feet, 10 feet, 12 feet uh, on consecutive holes. And it's like, oh gosh, this guy's not able to putt the ball the way he used to, or the way, the way he has been over the past few days. And is this... Adam Scott, Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas at the time before Thomas stayed away, turning up the heat on him, and now he's starting to get a little nervous. Uh, and, and just as I started to wonder that, and I think I tweeted that, like, hey, his rhythm doesn't look the same. With the putting stroke, he settled down and made a good, pure putting stroke. I believe it was on 15, the same hole that Tiger stuck the nine iron um, and, and pulled back ahead. And that, to me, was the moment where I thought, all right, he's back, he's got it, he's settled in, he's committed to a putting stroke and he's going to be all right. So those are the two moments for me for Brooks Yeah, and um, he then bounced back in the back nine, obviously, and, and, and made those birdie putts when Adam missed, and and off he went, and you tweeted, 
I've never, um, I'm not sure I've ever felt so sorry for a golf ball as I did for Brooks's at 17. That drive was pummeled due to ice in his veins. Looks like he's won his way, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's past time for golf fans to embrace this guy. It is interesting. The shot in the 16 by Brooks, right as Tiger hit his way right on 17, there was a, a weird timing symmetry on that, um, which was which was kind of interesting and cool. The way Brooks's iron play was taking daring lines, that, that pin on 16 is just one of those. You don't want any damn part of that pins, and he went right at it and, and, and just... The confidence and swagger he showed when he regained the lead down the stretch was really something to behold. It was a guy that built that confidence on doing it a few times before. I mean, he, he did it at 20 and 2017 at the U.S. Open when he and Brian Harmon went back and forth down the stretch. He separated himself on the last four or five holes with consecutive birdies, I believe. In that time at 14, 15, 16, he made three in a row to separate himself. Uh, and then the past year, he was in the next to last group, and he had Pete Allen, Berger, and DJ, and they were all going back and forth, and he ended up separating himself in that one as well. He got Fleetwood in the house way early with that 63. Um, but he, he sort of seen almost every conceivable circumstance, which you would think, aside from a Tiger charge. And now he's seen that too, and he withstood it. And again, the ball striking for Brooks when he is really playing well and he has been playing some kind of golf this season. I mean, happy to win two majors. Um, it, it's something to behold. And that shot into 16, you're absolutely right. 240, what, three yards? Yeah. Five iron or something like that? Yeah. Who hits a five iron 243? Not us. Does. <laughs> it's not us, Sean. <laughs> I, I might hit 243 if it hits the cart path first. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, and he hits it to about six and a half, seven feet. I mean, it's just a stunning shot in the 16. I mean, big players make big plays in big moments. Um, I've always believed it, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, or even golf. And that was the putt on 15, the shot into 16. To me, was Brooks throwing down the gauntlet saying, I've seen it all. I've withstood it all. I'm going to win this tournament. And he did. I'm talking to Sean Davidson here on on uh, teeing it up. Who uh, went to Florida State? He's been following Brooks Kepka's career uh, very closely. Obviously, um, why why does he have only one other PGA Tour win, which is Phoenix in 2015? He said after the round to Bill McAtee, basically said something about the majors brings out a focus in me. It's weird, you know, you, you occasionally see guys, Angel Cabrera is one of them, obviously, he's the most famous one who just, for some reason, peaks in majors and, and just has a, a, a next level of focus, Patrick Reed at the Ryder Cup sort of thing. Why do you think Brooks has had problems in, in, in regular tour events, and B, do you think that this changes things now? I think this changes things now. I think it is, first of all, so hard to win out on tour any week, on any tour. You know, it's hard enough to win on the web.com tour and earn your tour card. Um, and there are guys that do it. And Brooks, of course, won over in Europe and made his way on tour that way. But, I mean, you hear guys week in and week out after they punch a trophy, they, they finish up on 18, you know, Peter Costas comes in and, you know, they talk about how much it means because it's just so hard, you know. And I think 
if you have one element of your golf game just not there, or you just don't have it one day, I mean, you're, you're finishing T3, T4, T6. And I mean, and that's what Brooks would do. He'd finish T5, T6, T7, T11, T4. I mean, week after week after week. It's not like he's, you know, finishing T57 for a month and then wins the U.S. Open. But, you know, little things. And I think when you can put things together on those big stages and you can have that extra shot of confidence, I think it's going to benefit him moving forward. I mean, it wasn't long into his time here in the States. He had a sponsor's attention into the prize.com open led after 54 holes. That was back in 2013. Ended up finishing T3 or T4. Then had those few sponsor exemptions in 2014. Top five did the U.S. Open at Pinehurst. He's got a lot of good memories at the U.S. Open. Uh, top five did at Pinehurst, and the rest was there. One in 2015 at Phoenix, and then, you know, I, I know he's been battling injury issues. He, too, like the likes of Paula Kramer and a few of the other players that we've seen on both the LPGA and PGA Tour with the wrist. I believe Anthony Kim as well had to deal with that. And uh, he's healthy. He's playing well. Winning the U.S. Open, I think, gave him some confidence. He played great at the very end of the calendar year and then ended up tearing that tendon, I believe it was, or partially tearing the tendon in his left wrist and took a while to get healthy. Missed the Masters, and now you have to wonder, had he played at the Masters, what would he have done there? Yeah, seriously. Uh, I, I mean, I texted this to you, and, I mean, I, I'm not a huge believer in hyperbole, but... I mean, you think about the way the Masters is gone, and more often than not, it, it caters to the Bombers. He can shake the golf ball. And, and I know that Brooks, as we've seen quite a bit at the PGA, hits a lot of cuts and a lot of fades. Um, but he can shake the golf ball both ways. Uh, don't be fooled by that. And he finished right outside the top 10, I believe, a couple of years ago. He finished T11 at Augusta. He crushes the golf ball. He's going to be playing with supreme confidence. And he'll be playing in quite a few more Masters now for... For the, for the foreseeable future, uh, he's going to have his opportunity. And as long as he stays confident, he doesn't go down that deep, dark hole of tinkering or equipment changes, uh, he should absolutely contend. And then you think about the Open Championship where he spent the first part of his professional career playing all around Europe, playing in Scotland and Ireland and Northern Ireland. Granted, the weather is going to have a huge say in it there, but, I mean, if there's any single American that you would think their game is tailor-made to win an Open Championship, it would be Brooks. So now you've won the PGA and the U.S. Open where you're kind of at the mercy of what venue you're at if it suits your eye. And you've got one track that you play every single year at the Masters that does cater to long hitters, which he is. And you got the Open Championship, which from playing in Europe, he can really play well at the Open. He's done it in the past. There's a legitimate shot that, you know, while we talked about Jordan Spieth and while we talked about Bill Mickelson, Brooks Koepka in the not-too-distant future could himself win the career grand plan. Crazy. It's not out of the realm of possibility at all. Not at all. Uh, talking to Sean Davison, he also lost the 2016 Nelson in a playoff to Sergio Garcia. So there was one other uh, near miss for him there. Um, final thing on on uh, on. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Final thing on Brooks. Um, I hate hot takes. You know, having been on my show now for years, I'm not a hot takey guy, except that I don't think that. I think the hottest take I've said on this show is basically that, that Phil Mickelson may be the most erratic uh, golfer on this planet. But besides that, um, 
I'm not a hot takey guy, but there's been a whole lot of hot takes in the last 24 hours that Brooks is not getting the respect he deserves because he's too boring. He's not Ricky. He's not Jordan. He's not Justin. There's no shirtless pictures of him at at at, 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 at sorry shirtless spring break pictures of him. He's just a boring dude that goes about his business quietly. Doesn't have the craziest life off the golf course. Blah blah blah. What's your take? If you believe it, on why Brooks is not getting the attention he deserves, and and do you think Brooks needs to change his ways or just keep on going, and people will eventually respect him because they have to? Good question. So I, I do think that Brooks Kepka has gone underappreciated or underrecognized, if you will, uh, simply because, as you mentioned, he goes about his business. He's not a big I live my life in the spotlight kind of guy, and he'll never be about that. You know, I've chatted with him a few times, and, you know, we've got that FSU connection, so especially when he was using sponsor exemptions to try to make waves on tour back in 2014, and this was way before he started contending and winning majors. You know, he and I got along really, really well. Not that we don't now. It's just that hard to see to do, if ever, anymore. Um, but... I mean, from that point forward, he was always a very humble, very determined, very quiet, very focused human being. And that's just how he goes about his business. And it's one of three majors. So if I'm Brooks, and if you're out there competing on tour, you're doing it to win, you want to win, keep that up. And I think in time, solid play and good play will speak for itself. And I think that will win people over. And I think now that he's won two majors in a year, which is, I mean, hardly do we see it. I mean, Tiger did it so regularly, I think we've sort of lost appreciation for anybody else that does it. Yeah. Uh, From Jordan Spieth, whenever he nearly won all four back (laughs) in 2015. Um, But it's it's something to definitely appreciate. And I think this might be the moment where it's like, you know, we saw guys for a while win a major and not do much of anything else. And for Kepka, whose only win was a Phoenix Open before he won at Aaron Hills, a lot of people might have thought, yeah, you want a U.S. Open, that's cool. Then he won another one. And it's like, oh, okay, he's the guy that's won that stop U.S. Open. And people pay a little bit more attention. But he still lives a very under-the-radar kind of life. So a lot of people don't necessarily identify with that. And now he's won a PGA. And now I don't think you can help but notice the guy. He's number two in the world now. He's the number two player in the world. Yeah. And he's won three majors in the last two years. I think that alone is going to help a lot. You have to believe in the guy. You have to notice the guy. You have to appreciate the guy. And I don't think you have to change a thing. It's working for him. And he's, he's becoming that star player that I think a lot more people are starting to embrace just by winning. And you know what? As long as you keep winning and that's what you want to do while you're out there, you can't complain. But I don't think he is. I totally and completely and completely... And with you, as we talk to Sean Davison here on Teeing It Up. Sean, how many golf events do you think you've attended since you started doing this and since you befriended Dan and Johnny? Oh, boy. Let's see. The first one I went to was back in 06. Might have been. Actually, no, it was 05. 05 at Disney, back when they still had the PGA Tour event at the Palm and Magnolia out at Walt Disney World. Um Growing up in Orlando, my, my father and my, friend, my family knew a few of the golfers out there, and 
you know, it was at that point in time that I actually seriously started considering golf and paying attention to it and, you know, understood the etiquette of being a gallery member and being quiet while golfers hit the ball and whatnot. So right around then, when I was 11 or 12, I started to make my way out to the golf course and, and watch some of these people that I knew that came into my dad's business and whatnot. And from that point forward, let's see, I went to Disney three years, that's three times there. I've been to Bay Hill almost every year since 08. So that's at least eight times there. I've been to at least seven or so players' championships. I've been to a couple of majors, so at least 20 there. Then you add in Tampa, you add in the Honda, you add in Doral. And uh, I feel like there's another tournament that I've been to that I'm forgetting, somewhere in the, in the East. Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 35, maybe 40 DJ events. All right, so with that context, have you ever seen, and obviously you weren't there, but obviously watching on CBS with their microphones, anything like the atmosphere we saw those last four days in St. Louis? That was ridiculous. That I mean, that was just crazy. They don't get a regular season tour event. Yeah. The last time they saw the PGA Tour was a decade ago when Tiger was hurt about three injuries or four injuries ago yes. after winning the U.S. Open yep. and the stress fracture in the leg. Um, when DJ Singh was winning a FedEx Cup, now he's on the senior tour. I mean, a lot has changed since they've last seen these guys. Jordan Spieth was still in grade school. I mean, it's a new tour and it's an exciting time. They've watched a lot of it on TV and now they've got all these brand new stars and Tiger is back. And, you know, St. Louis is a lot like to me, Pittsburgh, you know, a lot said about L.A. and Boston and New York as sports towns. The St. Louis's and the Pittsburgh's are pretty cool themselves. And they've got a lot of very knowledgeable fans that appreciate a whole wide realm of sports. And we got to see that, and it was really cool. It, it, the fans were phenomenal. Yeah. Um, which brings us to, to, to Tiger. The shot that they had when he walked over the bridge on 18 after holing out for 64 and waving to those fans, the sea of people in between 18 and 17, maybe the iconic golf picture of the year. Um, to think, and, and you saw him how many times this year? Have you seen Tiger in person? Uh, let's see. I saw him see, at Tampa, Bay Hill, EPC. I want to say just those three. Yeah, okay. Just the progress he's made from Tampa where, you know, look, he, he showed, he made that, that huge leap between the miscut at um, Riviera and Honda. He took a step forward at Tampa and almost got there. If it wasn't for out of bounds on Sunday at 16 at Bay Hill, who knows? He's made little leaps. But to finish off a round finally yesterday, to shoot that 64, to get the birdie, that emphatic fist pump that, 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 that if you took that picture with no context, you would think it was a picture from uh, 2007. Um, what a Sunday performance. What a charge. And even with all the missed putts at 1 and 11 and 14 and the tee shot at 17, the way he pieced that round together, especially the front nine, is just just crazily, berserkily nuts. I was going to say, you said just a couple of times, I was going to say indescribable. Yeah. Because I think that's probably the best word for it. Yeah. In the front nine... I'm sitting there watching him in the trees, watching him in the rough, trying to get up and down. Somehow he shoots 32. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's like 2007 all over again. Yeah. This guy's not hitting a single fairway, and he's making birdies from ridiculous positions. 
Just st- stop right there for a second. Yeah. Number nine. That 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 is Patton and Tiger Woods because as 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 either Gary or Nick said, he hooked that so much. The natural slope should have taken that ball down towards the uh uh, 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 uh sorry uh, uh, sorry right front quadrant of that green. That green is like number nine in Augusta. If you don't get it high enough, it just rolls down. He had so much draw spin on it that that's why that ball stuck and leaped left upon hitting the green, not right. Uh, I mean, that got me. I was sitting down watching that. That got me up on my feet. <laughs> and the birdie putt with the fist pump got me fist pumping. I mean, yeah. get me wrong. I, I've watched Brooks. I've kept track of Brooks. I like Brooks a lot. I think he's a great dude and a, a clearly a phenomenal golfer, and I wish him all the best, and I would never outwardly root against Brooks. But as a kid like so many others, so many millions of others, who grew up watching Tiger Woods dominate tournaments left and right, winning majors left and right, there was a huge part of me that wanted to see my guy win another one after all he'd been through. And to see that moment there on nine, that was the moment where I thought, oh my gosh, he's hitting Tiger putts. Uh, he's hitting Tiger shots and he's making Tiger putts. I've seen those fist pumps, the, the early walk on 13. I mean, it, that stuff just sends chills down your spine. And when you think that this is a guy that less than a year ago is somewhere around 1,200 in the world, not sure if he's going to play yeah. again. And now he's 26 in the world, having finished in the top 10 in the last two major championships and just shot a 64 on Sunday at the PGA. I, I mean... Now, all of a sudden, for everybody who sat there and immediately wrote him off, saying he'll never win again, he'll never win another major, I'm going to say you're wrong on both. Because clearly, and I think now that he's put together the kind of round on a Sunday that he did today, or not today, rather yesterday, I, I, I think Tiger now, not that he ever lacked the lead, but has that extra little shot of, I can do it again. I've done it again. Well, yeah, and, and that's what I think, you know, he said afterwards that the fist pump and the reaction on 18 was about trying to get to 14 because then he had a shot, you know, for a playoff, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for me, I, I, that's total BS. I think for him that was I finished around, I birdied 18, I shot 64, I did everything I could do considering that I had no swing. I had no swing during my warm-up. I was a mess in my warm-up. I was all over the place. Um, to me, that's what that fist pump was. That was not a, I gave myself a chance at a playoff fist pump. That was literally a, um, I did it fist pump. And that whole reaction, um, you know, it's listening. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 I never thought I'd see that again. I, I never thought I would see something like that again. And to me, you know, I, I'm going to go back one more, and sure, I mean, we can talk ad nauseum about the driver on 16 at Bay Hill and the driver on 17 at the PGA. Uh, but to me, the fact that he stood over an 18-footer or so for par on 17, drained it down the, right in the center of the cup, then goes to 18 and makes birdie there, it goes to show that I'm not going to give up on this. I'm going to grind this out, and that razor-sharp, focus that was in Tiger's eye I, I, I mean it's hard to describe it because there's so much that he's done that is indescribable now all these years later now that we're seeing it again we're trying to attach words to it we can't um, 
I mean, to see all of that again. It, it, I'm not going to give up on myself. I'm not going to give up on this round. I'm not going to give up on this championship. I'm going to make both of these cuts, and I'm going to see what's going to happen here with Brooks. I mean, that, that's a vintage Tiger. That's vintage Tiger. And I do agree with you that I think that this pump was more of a finalist. Yeah. I finished what I started. I didn't stall. I could have stalled multiple times. The bogey on six. The bogey on 14. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we saw the bogey on 14 at TPC on Sunday. Yes, I exactly. Mean, two or three of Webb Simpson bogeys the 14th after he drove at 360-something to the bottom of the hill, which I didn't even think was humanly possible. No, Dan and Johnny didn't think it was humanly possible. <laughs> And he, and he spins a wedge off the front. I mean, and then he didn't do anything from there. He hit the water on 17. I think he hit it the water again on 18. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. such a stark contrast to what we saw. And it's like, this is a guy that went out there, shot the lowest round of his career on a major Sunday. Sh- shot the lowest 54, stri- yeah, the, the lowest 54 whole stretch, of consecutive stretch of his major championship career by four shots. He obliterated his previous best. Not bad for a guy who's turned, what, 43 this year? <laughs> yes, and, and this year, uh, I, I am not sure, Sean, if you've seen the, uh, the um, sorry, Nick Faldo quote from the uh, Dan Patrick show this morning. Have you seen that yet? I have not, no. Okay, so this is not, this won't come as a, as, a, as a surprise because Tiger's basically said this, but he said that at, that he said that at the 2017 Masters Champions uh, dinner. Tiger whispered to somebody he would not name who the player was. I'm done. I'm never playing golf again. Wow. And, and and here we are. That was April fourth, twenty seventeen. He had the fusion. April twentieth, twenty seventeen. And here we are, August thirteenth, twenty eighteen. And he nearly wins a major. It's remarkable. It is just remarkable. So that brings us to this interesting question, and I, and I have three more questions for you. Here's the first. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've had some problems with my throat here during this. Tiger is now on the Ryder Cup team. There's no way you leave him off now. Um, oh, heck no. No. He's 20th in the FedEx Cup is still scheduled to play the first two playoff events. That's five of six. And now that he's on the Ryder Cup team, it's seven of nine. I am advocating that Tiger withdraw from one of these playoff events, say that my situation has changed. Solo second leads me now to, to you know, to a whole different situation in, in terms of my playoff position. I've got to think long term. I'm, I'm pulling out, and I, and I hope you understand. And, and my guess is he would pull out of the Northern Trust because of his Boston connections to, to uh, Jay Monahan um, for that event. If you're Tiger, do you st- still do five of six and seven of nine? I was thinking about that earlier today. You know, what did you pull out? Um, first of all, sorry, Greenboro. You're not going to get him two years in a row for him being somewhat healthy. You're not going to get him back. Sorry, Greensboro. Um, yeah. I think uh, I think he's got to pull out of Northern Trust. You know, I, I think that for me, you give him, what, two weeks off between Greensboro and then, then he goes to Boston, he plays there, EMW, uh, and then after skipping the first week, if he plays well enough the next two, and I think he will, uh, Eastlake 
frankly, with a 30-man heel and a course that that he's really taken a liking to and won plenty of times on, yeah. he shocked it all with Tiger Woods' tour championship. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, which, if he wins the FedEx Cup, would just be bizarre. I mean, think about where he started this year. He wouldn't be player of the year because of Brooks. But if he somehow won the FedEx Cup, or even just won the Tour Championship, period, I mean, that would just be crazy. <laughs> absurd. Absurd. And frankly, I mean, this is going to be the last year, unless they, of course, I think they would talk about rotating the Northern Trust. It'll be a free tournament right. next year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yep. Every other year, it'll be at Boston instead of the Boston event uh, having the Deutsche Bank. Um, it'll be the last Deutsche Bank. Um, and now I believe they've changed the title of it, but still, I still yeah. remember the Deutsche Bank. Um, yes. It is, it, it is the Dell Technologies Championship, officially. Gotcha. Yes. The, the Dell Technologies Championship in Boston. Yes. Um, he's won that a few times. Yes, he has. And, I mean, so if he, if he comes back rested with this surge of confidence, and it's the playoff event, and he's trying to make sure he's inside that top 30, and he's won in Boston before, I would not be shocked if he wins there. BMW travels around a bit, so it's going to be one of those, just the course to his eye kind of things. And then, of course, it's the Eastlake. I would not be shocked to see him win at Boston, too. And, and I know all of a sudden, it's like I can see this guy winning tournaments, no problem. Here's the other thing. The BMW is at, um, is at excuse me, a, a, a Ronneman Country Club outside Philly, which while it hosted what was the Quicken Loans National previously has been restored by Gil Hance. So these people have not seen the restored Aronimank until now. So that's going to be basically a, a uh, fresh slate. For me, this comes down to what does Tiger what does Tiger Tiger care more about? $10 million in the FedEx Cup or the Ryder Cup? Because the week off is after the third week, is after BMW and not after Boston, I, I think he's got to withdraw from, from uh, Northern Trust because that would then give him... Two events to end up in the top 30, then the reset, then the Tour Championship, Ryder Cup back-to-back. Um, and by the way, Jim Furyk said this morning that if Tiger is a captain's pick, Tiger will stay a vice captain, but they will add a, another vice captain for tea and sandwich purposes. I'm, uh, 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 um, I, I'm not sure if you ever heard... Tiger and uh, Bubba Watson's crazy 2016 story, but somebody asked them, what was the weirdest thing you you did as a vice captain? And Tiger, without hesitating, said, tees. I had no idea how many golfers do not carry enough tees on them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, what do you know? Yeah, I mean, seriously. You're always dropped random morsels of knowledge, so, I mean, what the heck? All right. You're just informing us of all these things. One word, how would you describe Adam Scott's weekend or week? Wow. And, and that, that might actually be the word. Because <laughs> where did that come from? Yeah, it came alive. It's amazing, it's amazing what happens when you play for something bigger than yourself. And you we see that in the Ryder Cup, you see that in the President's Cup. And uh, well documented as a lot of guys were, but he had that extra connection as a lot of the Aussie golfers do to Jared Lyle. And Jared Lyle, of course, unfortunately passing away after the uh, battle with the acute myeloid leukemia. Um, he was playing for his buddy Jared. And 
He had the putting stroke back. The ball striking, as we all know, can be phenomenal for Adam Scott. He's plenty long off the tee, and he pushed Brooks Koepka. There, there was no way around it. He pushed him. He did just yeah. everything he could. He stayed there at the very end, but still pushed Brooks, and there's something to be said for that. And for the first time, really, since winning the Masters, and I believe uh, he contended at Muirfield in 2013 when Phil won the Open Championship as well, um, really haven't seen or heard a whole lot about him. I mean, I know he's won a few Florida, Florida events during the Florida Swing. I believe he won Doral and Honda a few years ago. Um, but it's been a struggle for him, particularly with the putter. And to see him make meaningful putts, and of course he missed a few coming down the stretch, but to see him make meaningful putts and to see him put on a chunk, I mean, it, it just sort of seemed like he was being driven by something. And to see Adam Scott contend again, a well-liked guy, a gentleman, I, I've talked with him a few times, enjoyed it every single time I've had the opportunity to chat with him. Um, just a good dude, a great player. And it's great to see him back on the leaderboard. One word to describe uh, Ricky Fowler's weekend, and and in my eyes, I would say painful because he's clearly hurting. Gritty, gritty was mine. I mean, there's a time and a place for for us to discuss the fact that you know Ricky was the it kid coming out of college, earning his way, earning a spot on tour. Everybody thought he was going to be the superstar. Sure, he's done a nice job. He's won a few tournaments. He's won TPC. He's won that XF playoff event. But the majors continue to elude him, and once again, another one did. But that's not an awesome storyline for Ricky Fowler this week. I mean, the guy was clearly in pain, was second on the leaderboard after one round, was in the final, was in the next to last group on Saturday and the next to last group on Sunday, and just fought through pain the entire week. And it's hard to do that. That's Tiger. Tiger found a way to win, but Tiger arguably is not human. Yes. Um, and Ricky did what he could. And now he'll get to reset, hopefully heal up. Hopefully we'll see him healthy enough to, to play well in the FedEx Cup playoffs and represent the country at the Rabbit Cup. And we'll see where he goes from there. Next manager is Masters, and he gave, uh, he gave him a scare there. So, Ricky Collins, absolutely. And last thing we'll touch on during this podcast, um, Justin Thomas lost his temper yesterday, which you rarely see out of Justin Thomas. Um, Slightly surprising, actually. Uh, he 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 three putted from four and a half feet. He he missed another one. Uh, sh- uh, uh, shorty on the back nine. The whole Shane Lowry drop scenario got him off kilter. He didn't hit a good chip shot after that. That was a very odd back nine from Justin Thomas, and and a rare loss of temper. Yeah, I don't think I'd really seen him lose his temper quite like that since. Mexico a few years ago, or was it last year, where things sort of came unraveled on him, and, you know, there was, there was the, I don't say controversy, but he had to address it after the tournament, and how he was going to work on it, and so on and so forth, and he really did, you know, he settled in, um, and really, a lot like John Rahm, who, let me just say, John Rahm, this week, from what I've seen of him, who can run quite hot sometimes, did a really nice job of keeping it all together and that's my big question with John Rahm if he's going to win a major is if he can keep himself mentally in check all week he totally he he finished T4 with Stuart Sink and I don't think if if you ask 10 diehard golfers who watched yesterday I don't think any of them realized that those people finished T4 Stuart Sink and John Rahm that's how much this became the Kepka Tiger Scott show but literally, them two finishing T4, Thomas Peters and Francesco Molinari 
finishing T6 along with JT and and uh, uh, sorry Gary Woodland and and Rafa Cabrera Bayo shoots the other 64 yesterday along with Terrell Hatton to go up there. But what Rom and Sink did yesterday, uh, very quietly, was was um, was very nice. 67 for Sink, 68 for Rom. Yeah, I mean, not that it doesn't need to be validated, but I mean, I've always thought Rom would have sure. I've always thought he could win multiple. I've always thought that John Rom would be the last obstacle for John Rom to do so. And I think this was a very encouraging step forward. Look at the Masters where he can absolutely get in a country mile. And again, it does sort of allow guys to do that to have their way if everything else is in order. And I, I would not be surprised if he's playing well at the time. John Rock is fitting or getting fitted to a green jacket and putting one on next April. Um, the fact of Justin Thomas, I think he's a phenomenal talent. I think he is clearly... Um, you know, for a while, he was Jordan Speed's buddy. I think he's clearly stepped out and made a name for himself. I mean, not that you need me to say that, but there's a lot of really good things that Justin Thomas has done in the last two years, on and off the golf course. And I think he's great for the game of golf. It just wasn't his best day. And, you know, it seemed like things slipped a little bit at 9, got it back at 10. Um, you know, phenomenal chip on 11. But still, I mean, hit that drive that far left, a little concerning, and things just didn't seem to quite be on track. The wheels on the wagon were a little wobbly, and then they eventually just fall on for him. Yeah, but, but, but just look at him last week at Firestone and the way he destroyed that golf course. And as Sir Nick said, going off before he met his, his uh, grandparents and cried, uh, JT used to be Speed's buddy. Speed's now JT's buddy. Yeah, and let me just say this about Jordan Speed. It was good to see him making pops again. <laughs> it's good to see him doing anything positive. This has been, he admitted on Saturday, this got no, or, or Friday, this got no coverage because everybody looked at his, uh, 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 sorry, gripes against Bo Reeve. He admitted he has been working on the wrong thing since the players. Now, that's a stunning admission for somebody who has a great coach in Cameron McCormick and a professional golfer to admit you were working on the wrong thing. <laughs> but you know what? Jordan Spieth, if, he's, if he can't say anything else, he's always been completely and totally transparent. Yes, and he admitted it, and he's now working on it and feels better about it. But that was a stunning admission that got zero headlines and zero coverage. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, but again, still got some things to work out clearly. I mean, what happened at 12 on Saturday was an absolute momentum killer. Yep. Because like Tiger on Saturday, he was moving up the leaderboard on Saturday. And who knows what we could have had. We had a great leaderboard on Sunday as is. But could you imagine having his name on there, too? Hey, he almost got to 9-under, and, and when Kepka and company were at 11, it was like, if you can get to 9, you never know. <laughs> You never quite know. Things go backwards. Let me just very quickly before we hang up. Let me find this. Whoops, that's that's not the right one. Um, you find that also good to see Thomas Peters contending again. A guy who's got a wealth of potential, a great talent, and uh, this kind of week where he plays well at a major might get him back on track. Not that he was off track, but we really haven't heard from him since the Ryder Cup. Yeah. We and now we're coming up on another Ryder Cup. That. You never know. I mean, it'll be in Europe, and if he can string some of these good weeks together, go back to the Euro Tour or, or wherever he goes and whatever tournament he plays from here and play really well in them, you know, 
Thomas Bjorn might have a decision to make. I think he had, what, so, the best European rookie record in history at the last Ryder Cup, going 4-0-1 or 4-1-0, whatever it was. Um, yep. This is the Spieth quote. Um, it has just been progress in the swing. Really, before the players, I went to swing motion. It cleared up some stuff temporarily, but in fact pushed me farther away from what I should have been doing. So I literally spent two months nailing in the wrong thing, and I'm trying to climb back out of it. And that's unusual. I've never had that in career. Normally, I work on the right thing too much and have to back off and work again. So it's tough to trust in the golf course and blah, 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 blah. But geez... I mean, that's a blunt quote. It, it is, but I appreciate the honesty from him. And now for me, what I'd like to see Steve is, you know, you played reasonably well at the PGA. There's still some things to work on. Go to work. You know what you need to be working on. Enjoy your life on and off the golf course. I know he's engaged. I'm not sure if they've ever set a date, but I would imagine that he and his girlfriend, Annie or fiance, Annie, will get married sooner rather than later. You know, so that'll be coming up. And, you know, just enjoy your life on and off the golf course. We set when everything is in perfect harmony. Not saying there's anything going on off the golf course, but, you know, when that's great and things are getting better on the golf course, and you can get yourself back to that 2015 mode where everything was just rainbows and butterflies. I think and, the playoffs will be huge you know, for him for that reason. I really think me? I really think I he can get some it. mojo during, uh, during the playoffs and, and carry over into the Ryder Cup and into next week. I think he's somebody... Say what you want about the playoffs. I think having to play all these events back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back is actually going to help Jordan Spieth a lot. No, I think it will. It will give him great reps, great tournament reps against loaded fields. So he will get a great idea of where his game is, and if he plays well, he'll have every reason to build confidence. And a confident Jordan Spieth, as we've seen, is capable of lighting the world on fire. So, I mean... I don't think we've seen the end of him. I never thought we did. I don't think anybody who is overreacting and thinking, "Oh my gosh, things are going things are going wrong with Jordan. He's down to eighth in the world. We might we might need to, to put him on the on like a watch list or something." No, he's fine. He's always been fine. He worked on the wrong thing for a little while. He's figured it out. He played. I don't want to say great at the PGA, but we saw some really nice glimmers of hope, made some meaningful putts, and. You know what? He seems to be on the right track now. I would not be surprised if he wins a tournament in the near future. So, I mean, Speed is playing better. Justin Thomas is playing well. DJ's playing great. It looks like the Americans have a new star. Kepka, Tiger is back. Phil won a tournament this year. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure I've seen golf in such a healthy place. Rory won a tournament this year. He contended at the Open. I mean, there is a lot to be said for where we've come to in 2018. And then you look at the major venues next year. Augusta, Bethpage, Pebble, and then they get to go to uh, Royal Port Rush for the first time. I mean, the added intrigue of that plus those three historic storied venues. We're going to have a lot of fun next year. We really are. Um, as, a, as a good podcast good podcast host does, I'm going to bring this back full circle. This is tweeted out, uh, uh, tweeted out by Mike O'Malley, who works for Golf Digest. This is uh, Steve Williams, Tiger's former caddy, uh, in 2015. Once in a while, uh, sorry, once in a great while, a player comes along who hits a golf ball the way the, the way it was meant to be hit, powerful, piercing, the perfect trajectory. Of the young players out there, one I've seen that has that special uh, 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 ball flight is Brooks uh, 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 Kepka. 
Uh, Madam Scott and I were paired with him at the Open Championship last year, and from his first tee shot on, I thought, this kid is special. Obviously, he's searching to find the other parts of the puzzle, but I haven't seen a ball flight like that since Tiger, and before that, Johnny Miller. The words of Steve Williams. And if you're going to get a compliment early on in your career, I mean, a guy that was on the bag for Tiger for a while, a guy that spent some time on Greg Norman's bag, I mean, that's a pretty hefty compliment from a place where, if you also remember, back when Lydia Ko was, I think, 13 years old, Steve Williams was talking to the media and saying, she's going to be special, and we've seen what Lydia Ko's doing. So, I mean, high praise from a guy who clearly knows the stuff, that knows what great golf looks like, he forecasted this. I mean, I thought he was going to have a special career. I didn't see three majors in the last seven, three majors in six that he was healthy for. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous what this guy has accomplished, but ridiculous in the best of ways. The Americans have a new star now, and uh, I think we're going to embrace him. It's going to be a lot of fun going into 2019. Second in uh, strokes gained off the tee, ninth in approach, 44th and around the green, second tee to green, 18th in putting, and first in total strokes gained. Brooks Kepka wins the PGA Championship. Sean Davison, and thank you so much for coming on Teeing It Up as always. Thank you. And thank you for listening.